0: Hey, spooky friends. It's so good to be back with you after what seems like forever. Um, so lots has been happening. Um, lots of stuff going on. Um, major change in my life. I have relocated to Massachusetts. You know, the spookiest state in the world. Um, and I have to say, It is all that I expected it to be. So it's a great place to be, especially in the fall. So many spooky places you can visit and all the history that I can research. So I'm super pumped about that. What I'm not super pumped about is the fact that Sarah and I are now living in two different states. So we haven't quite figured out this whole uh, how we're going to record with us living so far away from each other, but... I'm not going to be sad. I'm going to try to push forward. Um, Two years ago, on this day, our podcast was born, and we came up with the idea of 31 Nights because Sarah and I both love October. We both love Halloween. And we decided we were going to commit to doing an episode every single day in October. And our first episode was about the Ouija board. And to date, I think it is still our most downloaded episode. So I'm really proud of the work we've done uh, up to this point. Um, I'm going to just be fully transparent here. I don't know if I'm going to be able to pull off an episode every single day in October. But I'm going to do my very best to bring um, as many episodes as as possible. Like I said, I'm in the prime location for finding all these spooky things, um, to research, maybe even going on site to some of these places. Um, and Sarah is up to a lot of things too. Um, so when we reunite, um, I'll leave her, uh, any news that she wants to share up to her and hopefully she and I will, will figure this out soon. Um, but the pod must go on. Um, And this is the point where Sarah usually would do a really good segue where she'd do all the plugging and that has never been my strong suit. So I'm going to do my best to try to do that. We're going to get the plugging out of the way, uh, right off the bat. And so if you like what you hear today, or if you like what you've heard in the past, which I'm certain is going to be of better quality (laughs) than today, um, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, Um, at 31 nights of scary shit, send us an email, 31 nights of scary shit at gmail.com. So if you have any ideas, um, of things that, um, you would like us to cover or one of us, whoever's going to cover it. Um, especially if you have, um, stories, um, that relate to the new England area, that would be really cool. Um, would love to hear from you. Um, yeah. So like I said, there was no segue there whatsoever. And that has never been my strong suit. So got to tell you this, this going solo is not really, not really, uh, not really making me happy, but I'm going to do my best. A couple of things I want to address. The sound quality is probably possibly not going to be great. Um, my device is not really the best when it comes to audio recordings. Um, not really sure how to rectify that. Um, also using a different microphone. I don't have the benefit of that really good microphone um, that we had when we were recording at Sarah's. So I'm in a new location. So you know what, friends, you're going to have to just roll with it. You're going to have to cut me some slack. That's all there is to it. Um, But I am really uh, happy because this is episode 130. So I'm, like I said, I'm proud of all the work uh, that we did in the past two years. Um, and this is a celebration. This is, this is uh, a, t- a two-year anniversary, um, and it's also the first day of October, and I'm loving it. Um, and I can't wait to celebrate October with you all. So what are we talking about today? And like I said, I am in the ideal location right now for spookiness. So I decided that I was going to focus on an area in Massachusetts that is known to be ultra, ultra spooky. Um, anyway, so I'm gonna go ahead and get started. So uh, this is the episode is gonna be about Freetown Forest, and that is in southeastern Massachusetts. And Freetown Forest is deemed one of the most haunted forests in the United States. Um, the woods have allegedly been the site of UFOs, sacrifices, ghosts, black helicopters, disappearances, abductions. Just to name a few things, even President Ronald Reagan—you know, he was president back in the '80s—he was even said to have experienced strange lights in the sky in this forest. Um, so first, I'm going to start off with kind of the lighter side of this story. I, I kind of depending on how you look at it, um, I'm going to talk about a creature whose origins are tied to the folklore of the Wampanoag and Algonquin tribes. Um, I guess you might say this falls into the category of cryptid. Um, and you know, in the past, we've we've loved a cryptid. Um, so this is actually, yeah, it's kind of cool. But you know, depending on how you look at it, so this uh, creature is called the pukwudgie, um, also known as the bagwajanini. All right, and a pukwudgie is described as being between two to four feet high, with bristly porcupine-like needles on its back. It's got a gnome or goblin-like kind of vibe. Um, according to the legend, Puck Wedgies had once gotten along with humans, but then they turned against them. So if you encounter a Pug Wedgie, it's best to just leave it be. And I'm going to pause for a second here because I need to change my position. Oh, friends, if you knew what I was going through right now to, to do this recording, I don't know. I should be ashamed of myself because this is not the ideal, uh, recording, uh, <laughs> recording atmosphere for me right now. Also, if you hear a lot of noise in the background, like I said, I'm in a totally different place. There's a lot of noise in this neighborhood. Um, lots of kids crying, lots of dogs barking. So um, apologies in advance. Um, back to the Pakwaji. According to the legend, a Pukwudgie had once gotten along with humans, as I said, but they turned against them. Um, Pakwaji literally translates to person of the wilderness. The Pukwudgie, who is very mischievous, has grayish skin, kind of human-like features, but with large ears, noses, and fingers. They're known to be tricksters. They like to torment humans. How dangerous is a Pukwudgie? Well, that depends on the region they live in. They can be anywhere from harmless to murderous. Yep, essentially sounds like a human. So why did the Pukwudgie stop getting along with humans? Well, according to the Wampanoag tribe, humans and Pukwudgies were getting along until humans started treating the Pukwudgie like they were a nuisance. They started giving all the love to Mashop, who is described as, quote, a giant, kind, spirited deity who created the area that we now know as Cape Cod. Supposedly, the Pukwudgies became jealous that they were not getting as cherished as Mouseop, and they started causing trouble. Seems they set fire to the tribe's homes, lured them into the woods to their deaths, and kidnapped their children. Well, the Wampanoag spoke with Mashop's wife, and she banished the Pukwudgies, and they became spread all over North America. But this was not the end of the Pukwudgie. Some of them came back for revenge, terrorizing people, and killing Mashop's five sons. Some versions of the story say that they actually killed Moshop himself, which would explain why Moshop disappeared from Wampanoag folklore. All right, I'm going to take a pause because that was a lot. And again, if you hear something in the background, I can't control it. You're going to have to cut me some slack and show me some grace here. Okay. Now, Apukwedji's power is up for debate. Again, depending on the lore of a region, A Pukwudgie may simply play a trick on a human, or it might do something more violent like push him off a cliff. It would be best to closely guard your children from a Pukwudgie, since they could take them. A Pukwudgie may also possess the power to be invisible, and could possibly shape shift into the form of something like a cougar. Some believed a Pukwudgie might take over the spirit of a human that he killed. Here's a little history lesson here. So the American poet Henry Wadsworth Longfellow You know, the guy who wrote Paul Revere's Ride, the poem that they used to make us uh, memorize in middle school. At least I had to. He was the first one to mention Pukwudgies in literature. And in his famous poem, The Song of Hiawatha, he refers to mischievous Pukwudgies who kill a giant named Kwasind by throwing pine cones at him. Well, Longfellow got his inspiration from an American geologist and geographer named Henry Rose Schoolcraft. He was one of the first to study Native American cultures. Well, Schoolcraft was married to a woman named Jane Johnston, who was part Ojibwe. Even today, there are reported sightings of Pukwudgies, and in particular, in the forest of Freetown, Massachusetts. Police even placed a sign near the Freetown State Forest that says Pukwudgie Crossing. Now, does the placement of the sign mean police believe in the existence of Pukwudgies, or is it simply a ploy to get motorists to slow down in an area because animals frequently run out into the road and cause accidents? There were already signs posted to warn of deer running into the road in the area of Freetown Forest. It seemed motorists did not take that seriously. Or it simply could have been meant as a joke. Supposedly, the sign was to remain there for as long as the Pukwudgie would be crossing the road in search of a mate. The mating season, get this, started and ended on April 1st, from what I have been told. Ha ha ha. So what danger could a Pukwudgie pose to a motorist? Well... Puck are known to appear and then quickly disappear, which could cause a motorist to get distracted and crash. They could also shoot poison arrows across the roadway or create fire at will. So if you're not familiar with Freetown Forest, maybe you are familiar with one of the towns that Freetown State Park is located in. I will give you a hint. The most infamous former resident of this town is accused of using an axe to murder her father and stepmother. Any ideas who that is? Well, in case you don't know, I'm talking about Lizzie Borden. So Freetown State Park runs through Freetown, Lakeville, and Fall River, where Lizzie Borden is from. So as the Fall River doesn't already have enough blots on its history, there are also rumors of Pukwudgie activity. There's a 100-foot cliff known as the Ledge, and that's been the spot of suicides that are attributed to Pukwudgies luring people to their deaths. Who knows if the claims of Pukwudgie sightings are legit. One woman reported after coming in contact with a Pukwudgie, it followed her home and tormented her by tapping on her window. There are rumors that Pukwudgie can also be found in West Virginia's Haunted Moundsville Penitentiary and in Round Rock, Texas, also known for Bigfoot sightings. All right, now for some details about the woods themselves. The Freetown Woods are known not only for paranormal activity, but also because of bizarre happenings and murders that occurred there. Freetown Forest is part of what is called the Bridgewater Triangle, or an extremely haunted area of Massachusetts Woods. Numerous crimes and tragedies have occurred in the area. In 1978, 15-year-old Mary Lou Aruda's body was discovered, tied to a tree in the woods. She had been abducted two months before from the town of Rainham, James M. Cater was convicted of her kidnapping and murder after being tried four times. In 1980, police were investigating a murder near the forest when some locals claimed that they witnessed satanic rituals in the woods. In the Freetown Forest, suspicious clearings stained with animal blood and strategically placed carcasses of cattle were found and believed to be evidence of satanic rituals. Well, these reports were thought to be tied to the Fall River call killings that happened during this time. Remember the satanic panic thing of the 1980s? I think it started somewhere with this. In 1987, a homeless man was murdered in the woods when he was mistaken for an undercover policeman. In 2001, two men were found shot to death on Bell Rock Road, which winds through the woods. Then, it takes an almost Stephen King-esque turn. In 2006, there were reports of aggressive dogs roaming the area, hmm, think Cujo, and an escaped emu was spotted rushing at people. In May of 2016, wires were found stretched across frequently traveled paths. What was the intention behind these wires? probably to decapitate people riding motorbikes. Regardless of the forest's dark reputation, it is actually a beautiful place to hike, bike, and ski. But I would recommend getting out of there before dark. All right, so this one's kind of short and sweet. Um, I enjoyed getting back with you all. Um, feels really good. Like I said I'm going to do my best to bring you as many episodes as possible in October. Plenty of spookiness to go around up in these parts. Um, and, you know... It's so much better with a co-host. Again, my apologies because I really think two is better than one in this situation. I miss the banter. I miss the jokes. I can't really tell my own jokes and laugh at my own jokes. That's kind of pathetic. Um, I mean, I'm not saying I'm above it because I'm certainly not, but um, it's really good to be back with you all. And um, like I said, I'm always open to any kinds of suggestions about things to cover. Any of you who are in New England who are listening Shout out to you all. Love it here. Love the area. Love the place. Can't get enough of it. It's fantastic. Um, So until we meet meet again, friends, just remember to stay spooky.